Richards Bowie Versus Tillian Is this year when I'm glowy Am I killing? I hope it's not a blowy Or a villain It's time for Bowie versus Dylan. Hello and welcome to Bowie versus Dylan. I'm Charlie and I like Bowie. I'm Jake and I love Dylan. Today we are taking a look at a very, very recent year. So recent, in fact, that uh, while we record this, it's still the current year. We're looking at 2018. Whoa, wait a minute, Charlie. Wait a minute. 2019 by this episode is actually out in the wild, but it's 2018 now. I'm not really sure how that's possible for us to review a year that is still going. I just want you to know well, it's you know, blowing I'm my really mind. I'm hoping that nothing really cool happens to either one of them at the end of the year, because otherwise, I don't know, we'll have to add retraction action slash addendum to the end of the episode. We'll be <laughs> we ready. need an addition addition. Addition, addition. <laughs> Redition, addition. Yeah. Uh, we'll come up with something if we need to. We'll okay. be ready for it. I'm ready. But, uh, you know, and it's also an interesting year because the first year we've done in which Bowie has been dead. And uh, we yeah. opted to do this year anyway. I don't think we were positive we were going to do it, but there's still a ton of Bowie stuff coming out. So it seems appropriate to continue looking at the current year. Absolutely. Makes perfect yeah. sense. Perfect Makes sense. Makes perfect sense. And Bob Dylan's still out in the wild somewhere. Doing who knows what. <laughs> He's touring. Who knows? He's still out. <laughs> the never-ending tour continued to not end this year. Yeah, it didn't end. Jake, spoiler alert, Jake's probably going to tell us about it. So with that in mind, Jake, why don't you tell us whether or not the never-ending tour ended this year? All right, so here's what I want you to know. Okay. Bob Dylan, yes. he has been touring continuously like yes. eight, nine months out of the year. Every year since 1988. And I'm not sure you know the name of this. 30th anniversary! Yeah. To the, to this Woo! year is the 30th anniversary of what has been called the never-ending tour. Now, I did stumble across, across a quote, which I don't remember um, exactly, from Bob, where he was like, uh-huh. he doesn't like that name, by the way. I don't know uh-huh. if I've ever told you that. He doesn't like the name, the never-ending tour. I don't think I ever heard that, no. Yeah. Well, he doesn't. So everyone literally okay. in the entire planet calls it the never-ending tour. But him. Except for Bob Dylan. Yeah, I mean, he does, like, name the tours and the different legs of the tours every time. Or I don't know if he okay. does, but somebody, some genius in his marketing department certainly does. <laughs> so, for 2018, uh, the 30th anniversary, I could not find anything special. No, like, anniversary shows, no, you know, trips back to the new uh-huh. Newport Folk Festival, like that one time. Uh, but apparently the tour is a good one. Listen to a couple songs. Uh, when when was the last time you saw Dylan live? Oh gosh, uh, I saw him at Bonnaroo. In Bonnaroo in two thousand four. Wow, has it been that long? It okay. has been that long. Well, man, in two thousand four, Bowie was still touring. Jeez, it's been it's been that long. Uh, just, uh, this is fourteen years of, of this is half a never ending tour of missed opportunities. <laughs> I've saying, been almost half. I've been telling uh, my wife Brooke that I. I, I better watch it. I better get out there and see him because he comes through town like once a year, like clockwork. Yeah. So I better yeah. I better do that. I mean, he's not going to be around he's forever. Do that. Bob Dylan turned seventy seven years old this year. <laughs> he seems older than that to me. <laughs> I don't know about you. <laughs> well, hard hard lived life. Yeah, and he's been going 
pretty much nonstop with his career since he was like 20 years old. In the and I heard he's been era. touring for 30 years, so yeah, you know that's got it's got to age you. Do you it's know gray the old gray the old throw? Here's a, bit. here's a bit of trivia for you. It's called the Never Ending Tour. You know, I heard that Bob Dylan doesn't like that name. You, was that right? I've heard that before. Did yeah, you hear I, remember, it? I heard something about that. Wow, that's weird. That's really weird. It's 2019 now, by the way. We've been talking for <laughs> that long about nothing. <laughs> we haven't even gotten <laughs> I know. the meats of the podcast. Because Dylan uh, released stuff this year. So anyway, the tour apparently was fine. Not special, but not disastrous. Uh, so let's get on to, he, he, he did two releases this year. Or actually Columbia Records Woo! did. Uh, one is called Bob Dylan, The Copyright Collection, Live, 1962 to 1966. Uh, this is a cute, heady years, heady years. Very heady. It takes him from his very earliest, uh, you know, solo folky shows all the way through yeah. his rip roaring guitar, uh, his rip roaring rock and roll shows in Europe. Yeah. Now this is a Did kind you know, of a. I didn't even yell Judas that time. I just I didn't have it in me this time. Wow, man, must be. You know, the year is getting old, and so are you. I'm laying, I'm laying back. I'm just relaxing. <laughs> just kicking. You got your legs up on a table. I'm, I'm just going to write him an email that says Judas. Send it to him. Judas. I'm going to reply to his most recent tweet and just say Judas. And that's it. Judas. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so this this uh, this this aptly named collection is a curated collection that hones down the copyright quote dump that has been going on the last few years in Japan and Europe. Started in 2012 because the copyright laws changed in Europe, okay, and Japan, and so they Columbia Records regale us with more fascinating tales of uh-huh. copyright law. Yeah, so here we go. Uh, it's very. It's uh, it's related to tort law and also um, uh, taxes. Yeah, yeah, yep. yep. Uh, anyway, they had to they had to start releasing so all this stuff. Like so, they've just been releasing everything they own systematically um, in in Europe and Japan. And I guess they decided that they wanted to just is it that otherwise they lose the copyright? Is that right? That's correct. That's correct. Okay, I thought yes. I read that somewhere. Yes, that's right. I think you read they it from me. It, they lose it. What's that? I think you read it from me. Well, that's possible. You know, I can't imagine myself like looking up Bob Dylan or something. You ever been to a little website called BowieVersusDylan.com? <laughs> you know, I may have found my way it's over there. It's on there. When I was posting stuff on there. There's some multimedia stuff going on over there. They really got their <laughs> stuff together at BowieVersusDylan.com. Uh-huh. Uh, that's the true. tracks are presented in roughly, mostly, chronological order. Um, so this is kind of like two distinct career periods, as I said. It's kind of his acoustic and folky versus electric. So, you know, the Newport right. Folk Festival in 1965, when he plugged in, they have one song right. from there, and they have songs from 62 when he was just coming up in New York, and then, you know, uh, stuff they've already released. Literally, they released the entire 1966 tour <laughs> on that crazy right, huge you have box that, you have that one, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, the 36 discs or whatever it is. Uh, yeah, so there's one on there, a couple on there. So my question for this, it's kind of a, it's kind of curious. I'm not sh- really sure what they're going after here. Um, it's really not like revolutionary. It's it's a fun listen, but like why not why not make it a bootleg series at some point? Why not blow it out? Yeah, like yeah. live 1962 through 66. 
and do like a disc for each little a year or something like that. I don't know. Good call. Like this feels like it's already you know the two disc version of some big fat box set. That's exactly you know? right. Exactly right. Which I guess in a they always carry those down to you know a more I don't know. A less gluttonous uh, meal for the, the regular fan. <laughs> for the normcore, the normal the person. The normcore Dylan fan. Yeah, we're going to get to that with his second release in just a minute here. Um, so, oh, you yeah. know, my, my take on this... That was a gluttonous piece. My take on this curated collection is, you know, I'm not the foremost, like, live music fan. I don't... Yeah. You know, I, I think I've, I've joked on this podcast before about what it would take for me to become, like, a never-ending tour geek. Like, to figure out what what the best song was or the best year was or the best tour or leg or musicians oh, on it. You know, maybe that's someday. A, maybe that's a retirement job. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I think By so. then, though, you know, the never-ending tour will be 30 years longer. Yeah. Dylan's still going to be alive and touring at that point. Dylan will be 132, and I still won't have seen him since 2004. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be oh, like, man, i got to get out there. So depressing. <laughs> Me and Brooke will be like 100. It'll be awesome. Uh, so I... If you're a live Dylan geek, you already got this stuff covered, you know, in terms yeah. of, you don't have all those bootlegs, I'm sure, except if you're really crazy and obsessive from Europe. But you definitely yeah. you definitely know what's going on with, with these recordings, you know. They're not, like, super secret or hidden or anything like that. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. You know, I should have checked, like, to see how it's sold, or, because it's been out for nine months or something like that, um, to see, like, what the deal was, like... I guess I never quite got the the sense of exactly why they did it. Uh, the second thing that Dylan did this year, and the only other thing, is something that I do know why he did it. It's because his fans have been clamoring for it since 1975. It's a little box set, Chaz. Maybe you've heard of uh-huh. it. It's the Bootleg Series, Volume 14. It's called More Blood. More Blood. More, more Tracks. tracks. More blood, more tracks! I was hoping we would be in unison on that, but it didn't work out. Hey, let's try it again. It's called More Blood. More blood. Damn it, Charlie. More tracks. All right, one more time. And if we don't get it this time, we have to stop the podcast because we failed. Here it is. Why did we we fail the last time? I thought we were, like, lining it right up. And it's called More Blood. Team 14. More blood, more tracks, more blood. Oh man, <laughs> this is a dumb name. I know. Hey, can I play a game with you? Yeah. Okay, so that's what it's called. I'll I'll get to what it is in just a second. Um, I feel like we need to we need to rename the box set. Um, okay. But I also want it to be as silly and dumb as the process that apparently went into naming it in the first place. So here's the yeah, game. Okay. okay. Here's the game. So we have to keep. In the in the in the title, we have to keep the blank blood blank tracks format, and I have okay. a series of words for you to go inside the blanks. <laughs> okay, go for it. All right. So number one, most. Now you say it right after I say the word. So most. Most. Oh wait, most blood. Wait, wait am I saying most or am I saying blood? You're saying most blood, most tracks. Okay. Okay, most. Most blood, most tracks. Prodigious. Prodigious blood, prodigious tracks. Type O. Typo blood, typo tracks. Spilt. Spilt blood, spilt tracks. Bad. Bad blood, bad tracks. Bloody. Bloody blood, bloody tracks. Tracky. Tracky blood, tracky tracks. <laughs> All right, what's your what's your pick? 
What's the best? Oh, tra- 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 <laughs> Trekkie blood, Trekkie so, uh, like, I'm getting a little like Marky Mark feel right now. <laughs> little funky bunch. In I there. think you know. I didn't know it till you said it out loud, but. I, I agree. Although I think it would be pretty funny to to have it named Typo Blood, Typo Tracks. Like that would typo be blood. that would be even more. Because you, you could make it, you, you could pun it. You know, if it was like Typo is in you know two words like the blood, and then yep. Typo is in one that's word. That's what I'm talking about, man. Tracks. Like that, you know. Yeah. That's the the bad pun. Yeah. We had a long a long discussion on Facebook some time back about this title and coming up with other alternate titles. Yeah. And it was well into it before I realized that tracks like could refer to songs also because in my head it was just right. blood covered covered on uh, rain uh, railroad tracks. Right. Which it. I think is way more evocative than thinking about actual like four track Song recordings. Tracks. <laughs> yeah. On a on a record, you know, but, boring. But I guess it's supposed to be the a double. Blood on, it's supposed to be a double entendre. I don't know what it means, but blood on the track. Oh, you just, your blood, you're just, you're getting so divorced. Your, your blood just spills on the train tracks. I mean, you got run you've over been by on a tour train. for 30 years. Yeah. You know? Your blood just starts to fall out of your body on the train tracks <laughs> that you're not, probably not riding on. I don't know what he takes, you know, to get to his concerts. Probably uh, not trains. Oh, I know what he takes. He takes his very own tour bus. To oh, his, that's right. Yeah. With, everyone else is on the other tour bus and he gets his own. Yep, that's it. So, Chaz... Uh, Possibly with a secret family. Unclear. <laughs> There's a double-decker. There's a secret family up top, secret family on the bottom. <laughs> Two secret families. And then he needs his own bus besides the secret family bus. <laughs> and then the other secret family doesn't like very much is to drive behind in a 1997 Dodge Caravan. And then he stuffs the rest of the 70-odd crew members in one Volkswagen Beetle. <laughs> Uh, it covers them in blood and tracks. <laughs> They're all bloody. Okay, so volume fourteen, tracky blood, tracky tracks. <laughs> <laughs> it rolls off the title. It That's really does, say, doesn't it? It feels nice. I like it. It feels real good. I'm glad you were here to to help me decide that. You know, uh, you know, I got your back on these kinds of things. I know you do. That's that's why I spent like an hour thinking of all those words. <laughs> that was too much time. It was way too much time. No, it was <laughs> it was over lunch. It was a nice lunch date with myself. <laughs> <laughs> and some synonyms for more. Uh, okay, so Chaz, this is, this is the bootleg series that we've literally all been waiting for. I know you have, but more than that, all the different things have. This sure, is, yes, yes. This is probably yes. the last super obvious bootleg series. You know, we've had some other obvious ones. In the past, like the uh, the basement tapes, that was extremely yeah, yep. like it was there, just sitting there, ready to be ready to be hit for a home run. And uh, the other one is all the crazy recordings from the Cutting Edge, which was his studio recordings from '65 through '66. Uh, the one that had an entire disc of like Rolling Stone, yeah, like bro- twenty three versions of like Rolling Stone. Well, it's twenty three. Like they broke it down into um, the 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 compartments of the the instruments so it'd be like okay they played like just the however they tracked it so it would be just Uh just the bass and the drums you could listen to that Uh for six minutes and then just the piano you could listen to it's kind of preposterous i'll tell you what else is preposterous more blood more tracks so, so did you just remix all those stems into some sweet new versions of like rolling stone i absolutely not i didn't do that okay some like some club tracks of like Rolling Stone. Yeah, yeah, just some sweet, some sweet rave tracks. Right. <laughs> some right. sweet How do you feel? 
to be on your own. <laughs> you just pop some E and get get down to work, get your mixer out, and just go. Well, I thought I was supposed to pop E before the podcast. That's what I did. Was that, well, not, was that not what we discussed? Or Molly, whatever that one was. Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I'm old now. I don't even know what that is, really. <laughs> I've heard it, but I don't know what that is. <laughs> Go on. Uh, tell me yeah. about more blood and tell me about more <laughs> Okay, so... In that, in, in that order. All right, so the story of why this needed to exist is, is quite well told. In 1974, at the end of 74, Dylan entered the New York's, Columbia's New York Studios mm. with, like, the best songs he's ever written, and everyone could tell yeah. right away. These are, these, are, these are gold, baby. These are real gold. Yeah, they're zesty nuggets. They're gold. so zesty. Um, and he went in in a very contemplative mood. He went in in an intimate mood. He wanted to just do it. Um, he ended up just wanting to do it with him and an acoustic guitar. And so he started out with a full band, which of course is represented on the box set, but that just wasn't working. And so it just ended up being him and an acoustic guitar and a harmonica and a bass. And man, why didn't okay. I write down the bassist's name? Because he's very instrumental. It's a very big part of the sound. I'm kind of a dummy. All right, I'm, I'm, I'll look it up while you're. All talking. right, why don't you do that? But it has to be That's the it has jobs. to be the New York sessions. It can't be uh, the Minneapolis sessions, which came. Oh, out. okay. I'll, I'll forget that. So these are like very, very legendary recording sessions. He recorded for like four days or something like that, and um, you know the engineers and the producers and everyone who was involved were like literally crying in the booth. Everything was just so. <laughs> So beautiful, so like oh, intimate, yeah. like, and you have to also understand that Dylan, you know, despite having been one of the biggest rock stars slash musicians in the entire world, like, apparently was in need of a comeback in 1974. Yeah, yeah. He just he hadn't released as many albums as people wanted him to, and they didn't sound like people wanted them to. But this sounded like people wanted them to for once. Mm-hmm. So. He records 10 songs, actually 11, but 10 that would go on the album. They pressed it to acetate. They sent it off to Columbia Records. They were like, Uh yes, we got a real winner here, fellas. And they started making promotional materials and the artwork and all that stuff. A couple months later, Dylan's like, I got to do something. I got to change this. It didn't sit right with him, despite the mood he was in being captured. So he was like, I think it's going to be too slow. I think it's going to be too... You know, a downer, every song sounds the same, they're all mid-tempo, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, against everyone's wishes, except his own, <laughs> he went to Min- Minneapolis, life. Minneapolis, Minnesota, a place I'm sure you're familiar with. You know, I can almost see it from house. He went to a studio there and he told a producer, hey, get me some musicians. I want to do some full band versions of these here songs. And he was like, okay. And he literally went down the street and found some musicians for Bob Dylan to play with on his on, on uh, the album that would be Blood on the Tracks. One of whom is which I have a short personal anecdote for you, Chaz. Yeah, listen. Personal go. <laughs> the mandolin player is a local musician named Peter Atrushko. And okay. I saw Peter Atrushko and a guitarist named Dean McGraw live in St. Croix Falls when I was still in high school. I did not know that Holy Peter Atrushko was the mandolin player on Blood on the Tracks. He was Man. unknown then, and he was slightly better known now because, you know, he's a he's not completely local. I would call him regional, and you know, he wins. No, I was going to say he was NPR playing Sacred no- Falls, so he hasn't made it. But no, but you know that little theater there. Uh, they got some surprisingly good. Yeah, exactly, sometimes. That's exactly. True. And I did not talk to Peter Atrushko. 
Petrushko, I talked to Dean McGraw about his Martin guitar. In one of my bolder, okay. in one of my bolder moves in my entire life, <sighs> I approached oh, a musician and made a conversation with them. Anyway, hey, uh, that that bass his name is Tony Tony Brown. There it the is, sweet Tony Brown. He adds so much to it. Okay, um, he doesn't so, even have like his own link on Wikipedia. So at this point, he doesn't. I don't think so. Maybe it's like up further. Let's let's take a look. I think Wikipedia needs Tony. to add some more pages. Yeah, no, he doesn't have. Well, you do that. You add, give Tony Ryan a page. Jake. Yeah, yeah, I think I will this is some, not this is do you that. Can do. This is something that I not have his own page. This is something I could get Peter excited O'Trisco about. Does. Oh, that's because he. That's because I saw him live in concert one time. <laughs> did you bring? Did you make that page for him, Jake? No. I'm gonna add a section on that that says one time Jake Beck <laughs> the podcast Bowie versus Dylan almost met. Peter Trushkoff. And then the mil- the, the millions of people that click on it will be like, we got to listen to that podcast, man. Because yeah. Yeah. everyone's clicking yeah. on Peter Trushkoff. Everyone. Everybody. He played with Willie Nelson, too, Jake. Yeah. Like oh, hey. Did you know I saw him live in concert one time? Yeah, and Emily Harris. Oh, great. I love her, too. So... He was not feeling, uh, Dylan that is, he was not feeling contemplative anymore. He was feeling like rocking out. He was starting to get the, the, the itch to do this Rolling Thunder review tour. So he was, right. he was feeling wild again. And so he went in there, and um, the bummer of the entire box set, which could have been even more monstrous, if that's even possible, it's six discs, uh-huh. six discs packed full, Yeah, uh, is that the only... The only tracks from the Minneapolis sessions are the completed two-track masters of the songs that they put on the album. There's no outtakes. Okay. There's no other full band versions. It's not broken down into tracks. It's just these masters, which is kind of crazy. Do you, do you think they exist? Do you think they just weren't included, or do you think they're no, they like do not waiting exist. for most blood, most tracks, <laughs> more or blood? At least the Minneapolis sessions, mostest tracks. I think it's in. I think it's somewhere. Don't, don't you think it's got to be somewhere? But they don't, I don't know, that's stuff get, that stuff gets lost sometimes, you know? It's not extant. They, they don't know where it is. Okay. Um, so what Dylan did was he will find used, it in, that, in somebody's bread box or something sometime. That's right, and it'll go for like a billion dollars. <laughs> I'm only mentioning a bread box specifically because Bowie's earliest recording ever was found at some point this year. I know. Which I, thought, bread box. I thought that was crazy. Uh, yeah, that was crazy. So instead of a 10-track, you know, all-acoustic version, he replaced five of the tracks... Mm-hmm. With these new full band versions, which are Rip Roaring, and uh, he put it out as Blood on the Tracks in early 1975, and it was mm-hmm. an absolute smash hit. And the only thing I can say is that uh, the 10 song bootleg is almost as well known as the actual album. Not almost okay. as well known, I shouldn't say that. But if you're a Dylan fan, like that's immediately what you go and bootleg somewhere. Is, yeah, that's like did you know, man? Like, hey, man, there's an original blood on the tracks. It's like the first sentence you say if you're like, hey, I'm into Dylan. Um, so I remember, you know, ripping that baby on Napster, like, right after I ripped oh, yeah. Radiohead's Kid A. It was like the second thing I wanted to do. I was like, hey, this thing could get me some Dylan, man. That's what I said to myself. <laughs> uh, continued not, not showering and, <laughs> and not cleaning my room. I didn't do that for like a year. Uh, So my take on this is that, you know, the people that worked on the New York sessions were like, they were dumbfounded and crestfallen that Dylan didn't 
do the original album. They could not believe yeah. it. Like they, they thought this was the best recording session by a solo artist they'd ever seen in their lives or whatever. But the, the album was a huge hit. It was like an international yeah. smash hit. You know, like Tangled Up in Blue was huge and Shelter yeah, in the Storm. Yeah, big one. Yeah. big one. Biggins. And so my take is I think the songwriting is so strong, it didn't actually matter what he decided to do. For once, he, he le- you know, his thing later was that he would leave all the best songs off of his albums. And oh, they, yeah. They would that's suffer. But his little, his little instinct, his little itch here... You know, paid off, but I think it would have paid off anyway. He was getting all those apples. Yeah, so no Jake, what. In your opinion, which version's better? Which version do you prefer? Oh man, that's a great question. I've never even thought of that. They they exist sort of simultaneously for me, but I probably the probably the 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 band version. Although, okay, you know, I did I did think I do think a little differently about it after hearing the million takes of all these these songs on the on the box set because I listened to them all in like a weekend. And so I became like inoculated. <laughs> you just drowned yourself. I just got filled. Tracks. Yeah. The, all and the, then more blood and more tracks after that. All the blood and all the tracks went inside my heart <laughs> where they mingled with my sense of self. And now I think I, now I think I'm Bob Dylan. It's terrible. <laughs> oh, oh, it's terrible. Oh. So I want to give this a, uh, I want to give, <laughs> I want to give this album, even though we're not talking about the actual year that this came out, which was 1975. I'm just going to go ahead yeah. and say this is the the Boy vs. Dylan Award for Dylan's best songwriting. Whew, and I'm not sure cool. I'm not sure I would have said that before this box set. I think okay. I would I would have thought about it. Yeah, I would have been contented. There's something about the songwriting that is just it's it's so focused and so good, and it's so there's no silliness to it. Like. Um, you know, sometimes his stream of consciousness stuff, which is the other candidate, really, from the yeah. mid-60s, um, you know, that three album, the trilogy there, especially on Blonde on Blonde. Like, he was working in other forums, like there were blues forums, and he was he was kind of shoving a lot of words in there, and some of them didn't make sense, but... Um... Good night. Um, but on on Blood on the Tracks, it's like... There's no messing around. It's just great songwriting. And it totally became like a template for the singer-songwriters for the rest of the 70s. Yeah. So the set itself, Chaz, uh, is very handsome. It's soft. You it's know, I huggable. know a thing or two about it from watching your uh, very popular <laughs> unboxing video. <laughs> so popular. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, it just got all the stuff. You know, they've really, you know, they've really figured this out. On, like... I really enjoy uh, physical products in the digital age. Oh, it's lovely. Because you and I are both like old diehard CD lovers. Yeah, we are. And neither one of us are like, not technical. I do tons with tech just for my job is like a lot of tech stuff. So it's not like we're anti-tech. It's just something about, I don't know, for me, the physical format is still very important for enjoying music. Yep. And I went, I went... Like, I record Spotify the- to me. I don't. I can't see you know a a streaming service ever replacing the purchasing of physical albums for me personally. Oh no! I no way, no way. I've already I've already decided that. And they've obviously like noted this, and that those of us out who are still buying the physical product, they're like sweetening the deal on the physical product. Oh, absolutely! Like the stuff is just they're up in the game, and the, pr- the production values are nicer, and these big box sets, you know that. 
both Dylan and Bowie have got going on right now. They're Definitely. just nice. They're like, there's something you want to hold on to and keep and like yeah. convince your kids to like well enough to, you know, I don't know, donate them to or give them to them when you die, you know? Like, yeah. here you go, kids. Here's here's my sweet, sweet collection <laughs> of Bowie boxes. Here is 8,000 pounds of CDs. <laughs> here you go. Enjoy. And they're I'm like, to you. Dad... I'm wearing a chip inside my brain that beams music into my <laughs> frontal cortex. I'm listening to the complete works of David Boyer right now. Simultaneously. simultaneously. <laughs> they say simultaneously. They Whoa. say simultaneously. Really in sync there. So there's lots of cool, you know, there's lots of cool essays and stories and photos and all the, you know, nice colors and they just take so much care with every page, you know, like where you stick the CDs. This is something they've done before in the last, you know, the previous uh, the previous couple box sets, the deluxe editions anyway, is they make it look like a four-track reel and you like slip the oh, CD yeah. into the four-track reel. Yeah, mm-hmm. they, you know, they really, they're, they got it, I don't want to say perfect because who knows if they'll come up with something nicer, but um, this is the third, and I assume that the last deluxe edition, the um, Trouble No More, the Christian Years live set which i did oh, not yeah. i did not get the deluxe edition of that sorry oh man Jake. sorry not sorry <laughs> if dylan were dead he'd be rolling in his grave right now you know what he should send me 180 bucks for that thing <laughs> i would buy it if i had that uh they just uh, they made it all the same size and the same width and it's just like yeah. when you see it on your shelf you just want to go and get drunk and hug it pretty much <laughs> yeah you're you're you box. You're the box set. You're you're my favorite box set. I don't, I don't even. I don't just say that to anybody. I don't, I don't know. just say to every box set. Okay, Cause you're you're the one. Volume twelve used used to be the one, but now you're the you're one. the one. Fourteen. Okay? I just I just I just love you. I love, I love you so okay? I love much. You. And if you were playing right now, I would listen. I would listen. I would listen to you. I would. I would do that. <laughs> I don't well, know how to get out of this thing we're doing. <laughs> I don't know how to get out of this thing we're doing right now. <laughs> Let's just stop. Let's just okay. cut it All right, cut it off. Um, it's like all drunken nights <laughs> and drunken conversations. Let's just pretend it didn't happen. Maybe That's we right. won't remember it tomorrow. It's the next day. My head is pounding. My box sets are all over the house. I don't know why. <laughs> They're just set up in different locations. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Um, so here's Coffee the... Coffee and Dylan and the Dead is still spinning on the turntable. <laughs> it must have been a long night if I got into the Dylan and the Dead. <laughs> Real long night. So here's the thing about the Deluxe Edition, Chaz, which... Yeah, what? I adore. It is a lot, sir. It is a mm-hmm. lot of the same songs and snippets and takes of the exact same songs. And it is... Yes. The deluxe edition is truly for realies, for realsies, and for trulies. It is for realsies only for like hardcore Dylan fans. You oh, gotta yeah. be, you gotta be so invested in listening to a song like anywhere between five and twenty times. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So there was a little bit of controversy. Um, you know, these are first world problems, but. Apparently, people are a little <laughs> upset that the only um, alternate version was a one-disc set of this. Now, usually, oh. usually they'll do a two-disker, 
was going to say, a two-disker feels kind of appropriate here. It does. Know? And so you either got to spend what I spent on this, which I don't even want to say what I spent on this box set, $120, Chaz. I thought you didn't want to say it, Jake. Okay, go on. <laughs> oh, sorry. I just want everyone to know how much money I don't have. <laughs> because well, I heard you have negative $120. That, that hit the old pocketbook real nice. Uh, but so you either do that or you get a one disc set for, I don't know, $10 or something. So there's really no in between and aforementioned, and I'm glad they do this. I, I don't want it to change, but they don't put these deluxe sets on Spotify. They'll do a sampler. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's right. So you gotta nice. go, you gotta do a little leg work on that. Yeah. Um, so I, work on that. so I have a, I have a little, I have one more little, uh, question for you to answer a little, little game to, to play question. and then i will yeah, pa- I'll, I'll pass it off to you okay so there are you know let's see here i just want you to take a guess on what the how many versions of these songs are on this box set and that, i mean like how many times it's listed like how many snippets how many takes that kind of thing now unfortunately okay. three of the songs tied for second place and I'm not going to make okay. you guess which songs, but what do you think the amount of songs or the amount of tracks on here is the second place amount of tracks? Does that make sense? I'm, I'm guessing the second place one. Yeah, and then the first. Not place the one. first place one yet. Check. Yeah, okay. do second first. Second. Second first. Uh, Six disker. Twenty-one. <laughs> You're way off. It's nine. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, I know. Yeah, this wasn't as fun as it, it as it ended up being in my head. Uh, the first, <laughs> I mean, there's six packed discs and there's only ten tracks on the album to begin with. Yeah, he does some other he does some other thing some other tracks that didn't make the album. That didn't make the cut. Sure, sure, All right, sure. So okay. The fir- okay, All right. so I'll just tell you the first uh, the first place finisher is another tie. It's you're gonna make me lonesome when I go, and buckets of rain, both of which have twelve separate track listings on this thing. And the prize, I think, of the box set, and then I promise I'll pass it off to you, is a song called Up To Me, which is uh, it's the only true outtake, you know, that could have been used on the album that he didn't yeah. use. And it ended up on Bootleg Series Volumes 1 through 3, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. One of these. Okay. But that's on there nine times. And I think it could have gone on the album, even though, and I think it would have been the last track, it's really good. Yeah. It's in the vein of the rest of the songs, and it's... I don't know if it changes the album or what, but it's really great. Um, and But it's kind of hard to replace the last track as it is, which is Buckets of Rain, which is an awesome last track. So, I mean, he was just... Buckets of Blood, more like. He was just hitting home runs everywhere. He had more great songs than he knew what to do with, apparently. So... <laughs> that's uh tracky tracks and bloody bloods um the bootleg series volume bloody on to you Chaz. hey hey you got 36 I pages of notes so, for us 2018 there's you know i mean like i said this is the first year we've done where bowie is not actually alive and that's true. Uh, in spite of him not being alive it was an archival spectacular this year, Jake. <laughs> I'm spectacular. A spectacle, an unrivaled spectacle, and I mean that literally. I'm pretty sure that more unreleased recordings came out this year than any other year in Bowie's history. Really? Yes. That is shocking. Uh, I'm going to give you, Jake, why don't you, let's, let's just do another guess that probably will go not cool. But 21. I'm going to have you guess as to how many 
Previously unreleased tracks came out this year from Bowie. How many? Over how many? How many? Just take just take a solid guess. Now these are how many well, releases are we talking here? Uh, we're talking three main releases, but there's some scattered throughout, like singles and stuff too. Okay, so now I'm gonna guess that you took four main releases. I don't know, you took three the, main releases. You took the trouble to count these out, so I'm gonna make an I actual, did. I'm gonna make an actual guess. Okay, all right. Three releases. Now I know you've said that one of them was like a live album stuffed inside that '80s box set. Yeah. Uh, so let's say that's like eighteen plus. I'm gonna say over three. Three releases. I want to say like sixty-three. Good guess, but I, if my counting is correct, Jake, correct, Jake, we got somewhere around eighty-five previously tracks came out in twenty eighteen. Doki, I thought I was going a little high. Now, with that said, this is entirely like this entire entire remixed album or reproduced like a different production on an album. There's like different edits. Right, right, right. There are. There was one, like, the most interesting track, probably, like, new track, was a demo, because there's very few demos of any Bowie songs out there, and the great bulk of it is live tracks. Okay. Um, It's the interesting thing, like, we're starting to see, you know, where they're going with this, you know, the bloated reissue campaign of a, you know, Jet Superstar, because you just know this is always happening when (laughs) when somebody dies. Oh, absolutely. It's just a matter of time. And it's obvious, like, Bowie, there's so few, there's maybe, like, 15 Bowie officially released Bowie demos of any kind out there. Um, That's but it? they're just hitting the live tracks hard. Yeah, yeah. Live yeah. Stuff That's all they got. coming out of everybody's ears. That's all they got. And they obviously got the rights on that one. There's no new studio recordings, like no finished song that just didn't get released. Nothing like that. That's super interesting stuff. Nothing like that came out this year at all. So let's take a little quick look at these things that came out here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going in order of release because I don't want to. I have different <laughs> different plans. Thank you for your honesty. So let's start with the big fat box set, the '80s box set, Loving yep. the Alien. Yep. I kind of hoped it was going to be called Dancing with the Big Boys. Yep. Which That's was a song you... from his 1984 album, and it would have been ridiculous, but would have been appropriate. Loving the Alien, fine name for track or fine name for a box set. Totally. So this is the fourth consecutive big fat box set from Bowie Camp collecting the majority it's like all the albums from a certain time period they've all been like between three to six years i suppose yep um the albums the live albums the b-sides the single edits like there's all that kind of stuff in there this one had remixes in it and so these things are exciting like you, you were talking about the other box set you know it's got that creamy finish Ooh, I love everything that finish. smells kind of good it's oh, got yeah. the uh the Japanese-style mini LPs, like, I love that. Mm. And the CDs are gold-colored instead yeah. of silver for no good reason except that it's kind of awesome. Absolutely. You know, it's it's just luxurious, you know? It's just sumptuous little piece of something. <laughs> but then, at some point, you realize, while listening to this, that you don't actually want to listen to Bowie's 80s material very much. No. I know I don't. And so that's why this was kind of hard, because the last three were all 70s, you know? Between yeah. Between 69 and 82, which is just a golden period for Bowie and it's you know a base. almost every single track he ever released with you know enough exceptions are you could count on one hand was just gold during that period but then he released uh, Let's Dance in 1983 which I did come to appreciate that album more I always kind of liked oh. it I like it more now like it's got a good uh, remaster it's pumped up like I can appreciate that album more than I used to but then you have to listen to Tonight and Never Let Me Down which are 
almost everyone would consider his two worst albums. Yeah, you said that. And before. they're bad. They're just bad. And <laughs> no redeeming qualities whatsoever. And there's a CD in there of remixes from the period. <laughs> yes. And it's just so bad. It's so bad, Jake. And I just not so bad. It's good. But I, just I, bad. I didn't own any of that stuff. Like there was more like stuff on this one that I did not own than any of the others. Yeah. There's two live albums. One of them, which we'll get into in a second, one of them was not previously released, and that one's pretty good. Okay. The other one is awful. Okay. The other one we talked about in the 2007. He totally uh, lets you down. Recently, two episodes ago. It's bad. Uh, and it's just kind of like a letdown, because it's so like exciting and sumptuous and nice. And yeah, I mean, I dropped you know, $120 on that, that yeah. bad boy, too. Boom. Boom. Minus the discount after Amazon did not get it to me on a release day. So. Boom. <laughs> but then it's just kind of like, oh well. That happened. A couple weeks later, you're like, well, I don't really want to listen to this anymore. I, guess I'll <laughs> I know. Put it back on the shelf. I mean, it looks so nice next to the other ones. So I have Maybe a qu- listen to Let's Dance again. That's pretty good. I have a question. Yeah. So you said you 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 did not own these bad albums beforehand. Was that? Oh no, I owned them. Oh, I you owned. owned? Okay, I thought you did. I, I owned you... all the studio albums. Oh, yeah. okay, 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 okay. That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I didn't own any of the remixes, and uh, I didn't. Well, anyway, there's also there are some interesting tracks in there. The uh, they always have like a, a roundup of the singles and B sides, and he had several non-album singles. I had most of them, but not all of them. And so those are, there's actually some decent songs in there. It's got the labyrinth, his labyrinth songs in there, there which go. are not that great, but I don't yeah, know. it's a thing. Uh, the other interesting thing that has to be mentioned here is uh, it's more of an interesting concept. Is they took. Never Let Me Down, Bowie's 1987 album. Mm-hmm. I would say usually considered to be Bowie's worst album. It's not unanimous, but Bowie considered it his own worst album. And they uh, they did a new production of it. Like, they re-recorded, like, they recorded new backing music. They took his vocals and some of the stuff, some of the other material, depending on the song, and recorded new drums and new guitars and new bass and new everything. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. In an attempt, it's an interesting concept. Like, it's usually when you're looking at, like, you know, these album remixes, you take something that's really good, and you remix it. And then everyone's kind of disappointed because, you know, it was already yeah. so good. So this is kind of a better way to go, is to take something bad yeah. and try to make it better. Yeah, and why they, not? the result is certainly better, Jake. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it doesn't let you but down as much. it's still not something I'm going to listen to a lot. No, it still kind of lets me down, Jake, I'll be honest. Is it called... The irony of that title. Can it be called Sometimes Lets You Down? Sometimes Lets You Down. Still <laughs> pretty much lets you down. That's yeah, the yeah. name of it. Mostly they, lets they you down. That's what they call the new version. Um... Because it just kind of reveals uh, how bad some of the songs are, like, to their heart. They're trying to argue that it was the production. Because it's got bad, the, uh, yes. the original album has terrible 80s production. Absolutely. And that definitely brings it down. There's no question about that. But they're trying to argue that it's really good songs underneath. And uh, I think they win that argument on some of the songs. Like, some of the songs I went, you know what, this is actually pretty good. But some of them are like, it was almost more obvious. And the, uh-huh. the second... <laughs> half of the album like the first half is is listenable it's decent the second half of the album is bad yeah it's just it's it's rough going it's rum rum going there jake <laughs> some rough stuff so while i will not it's certainly better i just and some of the songs are truly good now there's a couple two or three songs i would call truly good now okay it's just well that's worth it then, i guess so you know i'm a bowie completist of sorts as much as i can be in this day and age when there's so much bowie stuff flying around and you know and I made a money. Anyway, the most interesting part <laughs> yes, of this you was are. the Serious Moonlight live album. Ooh, yeah, Serious Moonlight. That's a great. That's uh, a great name for a tour. I gotta say, it is a great name for a tour. Coming off of your favorite Serious Moonlight, wait a second, is that from Let's Dance? 
Let's dance let's in the moonlight, dance. the serious moonlight. Sorry, I was reading song. Let's dance. Let's dance. Let's sway. Uh, yeah, this is a good name for a tour. Yeah. So it was released on video in 1983 on Sweet Sweet VHS, hmm. but has never previously been available in an audio format. Well, it came up for the very first now. time in this box set, which, by our rules of whatever, makes it a you know original live album. Uh, it's kind of a greatest hits of sorts. Uh, Bowie suddenly found himself with a gigantic, crazy audience in the wake of Let's Dance, and yep. you know he was reasonably popular before, but all of a sudden he like jumped up to stratosphere yeah. level yeah. fame. And so he's kind of like he's he's trotting out the best of his back catalog, or the most popular of his back catalog, to uh, introduce to new audiences and try to sell some some albums, you know, and like get them get them in with him and you know and hanging out with them. So it's yeah, it's a lot of like big, a lot of his biggest singles, you know, getting the space Saturday and the Rebel Rebel, mm, and you get in mm-hmm. you know fame and Tasty. Golden Years, which oh, I think yeah. was making it. He didn't play Golden Years really live before the Heroes, you know, all that good those gems. Just uh, to the point where uh, there's 21 tracks on this oh. album. Only two of them were never released as singles. What? Wow. Yeah. That's that's how I mean. Bowie released a lot of singles, but you know. <laughs> yeah, I've here. noticed. So, so there you have Serious Moonlight. Now going up into another separate release. This was the biggest surprise because I thought we were going to get a picture of what the Bowie reissue campaign was going to be about. It's going to be centered around these big box sets coming out in September. Yep. And then they, the following like record store day, so April, they released another live album, never previously released live album, related to the previous box set. Oh, okay. So they were doing that, and the cycle seemed to be like working out, really just watching it happen. And then completely out of the blue, completely out of nowhere, they dropped a <laughs> Glastonbury 2000 on us. Yes. Which has got nothing to do with the 80s, because it was recorded in 2000. So this little zesty nugget uh, was from Bowie's big, fat, headlining performance at the Glastonbury Music Festival in 2000. Oh. It was his second appearance at Glastonbury. The first one was in 1971, which is arguably the first Glastonbury. Wow. It was it was the first one called Glastonbury anyway. I don't know. There seems to be varying accounts. Some people say there was one, there's a different one in 1970 that was kind of the start of it. This was the first one called Glastonbury. Anyway, Bowie was supposed to perform the night before, but due to a curfew or something, he, uh, he couldn't. So he performed at six o'clock in the morning the next day. <laughs> four? Wait, what? Four in the morning? Six o'clock in the morning. Six o'clock in the morning. He was supposed to perform the night before. That's crazy. And uh, you know, they due to curfew, he didn't get his slot in, so he performed <laughs> at six o'clock in the morning. <laughs> They're like, "Pack it up, Bowie. Get out of here. <laughs> Pack it up, Bowie. Get out of here, Bowie." I mean, no one knew that much. You know, he had space out under his belt, but he had not become a big hit machine yet. He has not a big deal yet. Right. Uh, it was recorded apparently, or most of it. I think they missed the first song because, like, you know, whoever the engineer was or whoever was sleeping. <laughs> like, <laughs> apparently everybody was sleeping. Like, I don't know. I'm way hungover, man. But most of it was recorded. But this is like a legendary recording that's never even leaked. Wow. Whatever happened with this? Wow. So it's existing out there somewhere, but it never they've given permission to to release this guy. Okay. Uh, apparently, some random drunk woman got up on stage with him for most of the show. Nice. Apparently, at Part of it, I think, uh, our old pal Mick Ronson was Ooh, involved. Mick, of course. Ooh, yeah. Mick. We have not said so, Mick's name once so far, except for now. I didn't so sneak him in there. I actually can't remember if this is the one that I'm thinking of. I'm pretty sure this is the right one. Oh, uh, he was now. there. He was everywhere. <laughs> sure. But he was wearing a big floppy uh, floral hat. 
which was the uh, the bippity boppity hat from the uh, the track from Hunky Dory. The oh yeah, Queen Queen Bee. We try to keep this this podcast acceptable for yeah, let's for uh, you know old folks listening to it with their kids. They're small kids in the, <laughs> Queen in the area. Queen Bee, we'll call oh, it Queen Bee, which is a tribute to the Velvet Underground. Bippity boppity hat. I could do better than that. That's on. I have a question, a very pertinent question. Yeah. Why are you talking about 1971 right now? I don't know. Let's move it along, sir. <laughs> anyway, his next appearance at Glastonbury was in 2000. Okay, we're and bringing it back along. He wore a floral frock coat. Yep. Evocative of the bibbidi bobbidi hat. Oh, this is where it's really going. I see. It. Gotcha. Gotcha. Check. There you go. Hey, thanks. Yeah, you're, you're welcome. <laughs> so, uh, I needed that resolved. 2000, like, Glastonbury 2000 reminded me some of Serious Moonlight because it was also like a greatest hits show. Okay. Bowie retired his hits in 1990. He played a big right. greatest hits uh, tour called Sound and Vision in 1990 yep. after, you know, one of the greatest hits. And then he's like, I'm done with my hits. I'm retiring them. And he basically refused to play them for all of the 90s. Yeah. With maybe like three or four exceptions. No, none of his hits. He played some of his back catalog, but not the big hits. And this was like the big re- reappearance of his hits. And this is all... Yeah, this show. It's all. Uh, only two out of the 22 tracks weren't singles on this one. Ah, oh, hey, wow. We got some and real... And there uh... were nine shared tracks with the Serious Moonlight tour. Wow. Or show, anyway. It's kismet. So maybe it does also, have something to do with the 80s. Notably, only four of the songs on this were released after the Serious Moonlight tour. So there you go. Only four, because, you know, he didn't have a lot of good stuff after <laughs> The 90s is unkind. Well, 90s were up and down. It's the 80s is where unkind. Mm. Good old 80s. Dylan did and, great uh, in the 80s. Notably, his entire look really seemed to be inspired by, by like, Hunky Dory, period. Like, he looks like he did on the back cover of Hunky Dory. He's yeah, got he's got longer long, hair, right? hair. He's got, like, these big baggy pants and a big frock coat. And, you know, it's floral. He changes it partway through the show. Of course. So, there's that. Uh... Also notable about this show, it was recorded a mere two days before a different Bowie Live album. Okay. So I own a Bowie Live album recorded on June 25th, 2000, <laughs> and June 27th, 2000. Oh, man. Which do not have identical track listing. They are different. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to give credit to that. Anyway. Uh, what else Great. are we here? More points for this Bowie. Where, That's what I mean. This is so, oh, there's so many points. So many points, Jake. <laughs> this is where my extensive note taking gets like a little long winded because yeah. I can't help but talk about all this sweet, sweet Bowie stuff, Jake. Mm-hmm. Anyway, video also came out with this a DVD. It's pretty exciting. I think it's better than just the album itself. Oh. I'll be honest. Okay. I liked it. I managed to watch all of it with help from my kids asking me unrelated questions through the entire watching of it <laughs> and making comments that had nothing to do with it. Absolutely. And complaining about things and asking questions that yep. were just confusing. Check. And, Check. And claiming that they were excited to watch it. They were not. When they clearly were not. No. So no. Did one they of ask my four-year-old at, at least had the decency to go play with Legos somewhere else in the room and not pay attention to it. <laughs> my seven-year-old had to sit right next to me and snuggle up with me and ask me completely unrelated questions. <laughs> the whole time. the entire thing. Did he ever ask great. you... We watched it in two legs. Both, it happened both times. Did he ever ask you, like, why weren't you watching something that he wanted to watch? No, no, no. He was oh. on board. He, was, he understood. No, he was, okay. he was... He was doing this for me, so... Uh, so there's that. All right, so let's talk about another live album, Jake. What do you say? I'm not prepared at all for that. (laughs) 
okay. <laughs> but go on. But we had a third live album release. It was actually the first one released. Uh, it was from... I'm going to go quick through this, because I feel like I'm just... We're slogging through. I don't we're know. Slotted. I don't know, Jake. Interrupt me a little bit more or something. I don't... There's not much to... There's not much to interrupt you about. I need to do... I know. Anyway. Hey, Chaz. In, hey, Chaz. Yeah. I'm interrupting yeah, you. Yeah, you, what's up? You stink. You smell. <laughs> oh. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> do you feel... Well, break up the, uh, the board up a little bit. Yeah. I feel so much better now. I... It's mostly... It's I'm mostly... you got that off your chest, It's Jake. mostly because I wanted to be honest with you that I could smell you from 2,000 miles away. <laughs> it's that bad. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh. Huh? Yes, go on with the 15th live album that Bowie released this year. <laughs> Welcome to the Blackout! Yeah! We're in 1978! Here we go, here we uh, go, I'm excited. There already was a live album from 1978 from Bowie in existence. Right. Uh, this is the this messed with one, right? What's that? This is the most messed with live album? Yes, well, Stage Wins is the award. It already won oh. a, a DVD <laughs> award for most messed with album. That's in, right. In, uh, okay, I remember that. I remember that. It was released in four distinct versions. A 17-track version in 78, an 18-track version mm-hmm. in 91, a 20-track version in 2005 in which the tracks were completely rearranged into the actual concert order rather than the crazy weirdo order they made for the first two of this. Yep. And a 22-track version in 2017 that notably still didn't have one of the songs from the concert. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if we're waiting out if there's going to be a 23 oh, no. later on. Anyway, Welcome to the Blackout is 24 tracks long and includes every single song from the 22-track version of stage. Different recordings, different shows, but every <laughs> single song okay. in almost the same order. This is exhausting. Um, what are they doing right I know. There? It seems like a weird, like, why did they do this? Why did but they do that? Because it's an amazing show. Okay. All right. I'm glad you asked that, Jake. Oh, yeah. Because I really want to know. Really, what should have happened is instead of being instead of staged in the first place, they should have just re- released "Welcome to the Blackout" in the first place. Of course, that should have been the live album. Sure, because it's an amazing show. It's one of it's maybe my second favorite Bowie live album, and I've had a few months to think on wow. this. And it's it's so good. It's just so the the energy is just great, and they're messing with stuff. And the version of "Station to Station" is like Ben's time and space. Um, it's got the very first performance ever of uh, Sound and Vision, notably. Ooh. It's just a great show. Okay. And so I, in the midst of this, you know, like, just archival fever, which I'm not even convinced that everything that came out this year should have come out. Yeah. And it almost <laughs> feels like, I'll admit, the Glastonbury 2000 feels like maybe it was just the, that, that one too many things. Yeah. And it only came out like six weeks after the Big Fat Box. That yeah, that's like, kind of crazy. I just wasn't even. And it I, got know, I some, wasn't quite ready for it. It got it's some a nice press package. too. I'm not against it, but yeah, like I'm not saying it's not a bad show. I'm not saying that at all. But it, it's not as exciting as it could be. And Welcome to the Blackout was the first one of the season, and it's just like that was amazing. And that one was when I could not stop listening to it. That one was really on repeat. So thank you, Bowie Camp, for Welcome to the Blackout. Thanks, Bowie. And four different four different versions of stage. Yep. <laughs> all right, Jake. I got another question for you. All right, I'm ready. So, along with these live albums, there were all kinds of other weird little side releases, including singles and stuff. Uh-huh. Um, Can't wait. And the song that came out in the most versions this year, I'm going to say, is Let's Dance. Okay. Given the box and everything, that kind of makes sense. Let's How many different versions <laughs> of Let's Dance do you oh, guess came out man. this year? So, you mean that, like, on the box set as well as... Including like- the box set, yeah. Some of them... 
Some Most of them were unreleased, but not all of them. This is just including any of them that got a major release. How many versions of Let's Dance <laughs> do you imagine came out this year? What's your guess? Holy buckets. Well, you were all hopped up on guessing like 21 for one of my songs. Yeah, don't, don't go that high. All right, I won't go that high. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> 87. <laughs> uh, uh, let's dance. Uh, give, me, give me a full, give me a full, give me a full 14. Okay, you went over. That's oh. okay, though. Okay. Reasonably close. Ten different versions ten? of Let's Dance came out Only in ten. Only ten. We kicked off the year in January with a demo of Let's Dance. This mm. would be the only, most notable new track of the entire year, because almost no demos exist. It's interesting. Then a couple months later, they released the secret full-length demo version. Apparently, that first one we had was an edit, and this nobody said so. Ridiculous. This is great. This is really good. Isn't it? I know that was a even uh, in death. A records tour day exclusive release was the full-length version of it. Even in death, he infuriates me with his singles. Oh man, I he wouldn't have done this. I don't think. I don't know. We got a live version on the Serious Moonlight live album. A live version on Glass Spider, which is from the box set. Yeah. The original studio version's in the box set. The original single edit is in the box set. Yep. Yeah, a live version one. with Tina Turner That's my is favorite in the box one. set. That's my favorite. also been released to release. That's my favorite one. Then recently, out of nowhere, apparently Niles Rogers, the uh, producer and guy from Chic, yes. uh, put some strings on it for some 80s compilation of songs with strings. Okay. That was released as a single. <laughs> the yep. B-side... Jake, you're going to love this. I can't wait. Was the alternate version of the demo. Oh, no. <laughs> the demo came out in three different versions this year, Jake. And finally, there was another live version uh, on the Glastonbury 2000 CD. Okay. Is that so it? So, it was... <laughs> It was a little, it was a little crazy. I counted 102 versions when you were just 102 talking. versions. Yeah. Oh, you missed the one, the the other alternate edit of the demo, Jake. That's 103. Ah, shoot, that was my favorite one too. Yeah, I know, I know the uh, the one that was four seconds longer than the previous one, but <laughs> oh ten seconds God. longer than the one before that. <laughs> what are these people doing? Other notable stuff this year: uh, big fat book about Bowie in the 80s called Ricochet came out. Oh, it yeah. was the first official book from the like, that officially, I don't know, okayed by the Bowie, or David Bowie archives. You know, the book very first one? Like, got their stamp of approval. I don't know. Mm. It came out in deluxe edition that cost $4,000, Jake. I remember reading about this, and I was like, you should buy it, man. You, yeah, you well, said you weren't going to. As soon as somebody gives me $4,000, I'm going to spend it on something else, because that would still be wasted money. Because <laughs> that's so a lot of money. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that on, on some bills or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the regular edition comes out, at least in the United States, next year, I think. Maybe it came out in the UK. I can't tell. I don't know. All I know is it's not available on Amazon or Barnes & Noble until March of next year. Don't even look there. Other notable things, the Bowie is a uh, big, fat... Uh, touring museum show closed yep. this year. Yep, okay. We talked about that when it opened in 2013. That's right. Um, so that was a big deal, but we'll come back in a second. Okay. And there is no year in here. <laughs> wow. Sad face. Sad All right, face. one last thing, Jake, just to uh-huh. anger you and infuriate you and make this a little bit longer. Oh, good. I have a 2019 preview. Jake. Oh, man. That's <laughs> Bowie related. It's coming out in 2019. How many Two li- of these things will have come out already by the time uh, this podcast airs. Oh, for goodness sake. The first one is that the Bowie is museum experience is coming to an augmented reality app near you. <laughs> Even in death, Bowie's making bad technological choices. <laughs> this 
might not be a bad one. Oh, sure. Yeah. Good technological. They're cutting edge technological choices. Just I heard they're bad, te- David bad Bowie, the 90s CD-ROM game was a real oh, smash I, hit. <laughs> I wish I was running through some Blake hallways now and watching <laughs> Grainy pixelated, videos. Music, pixelated music videos of him from 1993 right now. I am. I don't know about you, but... So, we'll see how that happens. That's coming out on his birthday, January 8th. Oh. Uh, in more exciting stuff, which you'll maybe be interested in this one. Super As you may know, Philip Glass, our yeah. pal Philip Glass, has oh. released two different Bowie-related symphonies. Okay. He, related, he right. made his own version of Bowie's 1977 album, Low. Yep. He made his own version of, 19, of Bowie's other 1977 album, Heroes. Yep. The first two albums in the so-called Berlin Trilogy. So-called. Uh... 22 years later, after Heroes, he's finally doing the third of the of the uh, albums in the Berlin Trilogy. He's doing wow. Lodger. Okay. And that's getting its first live performance on July, oh, January 10th. Wow. And no, no word on a physical release yet, but I'm going to expect it like within a year or two of that performance. And you know what? I don't feel like doing I had a whole bunch of speculation stuff. But yeah, I don't, don't like do that. It. I don't want to. <laughs> I'm done with it. So. Yay! You guys all speculate away yeah. to your heart's content Bowie what fans. else might be happening from the Bowie camp. I'm going to predict nine live albums. Yeah. Uh, all of them from the same year. <laughs> and from the same show. And from the same show. <laughs> yeah. Different microphones in different parts of the of the uh, auditorium. So you can That's really right. just compare That's right. You need, like a, you need like a surround sound 5.0 digital transfer from the original They haven't been pulling track. that stuff out right now, to, be, to their credit. Not yet. Wait. Not yet. Wait. No, not yet. I'm waiting for it. My prediction for, for... Give us give us the good stuff. Give us like you yeah, know unreleased need... studio tracks. Like we need. Yeah, you we do. Need, we, I, I want more blood, more tracks for like. You need a bootleg series. Trilogy. Give you me need that a bootleg series, man. You know, yeah, we need a bootleg series. We'll see. I'm kind of wondering what we have because next year is the 50th anniversary of Space Oddity, okay. which also marks the 50th anniversary of his first. You know, album that mattered. Right. I'm wondering if they'll do some kind of like. I'm kind of hoping for some kind of I don't know 50th anniversary. You know, okay. archival thing. Just give us like a whole bunch of junk from 1969 that was never been released before, and I'll well, be happy. You know, I got to say the Beatles. You know, I, I'm not going to get very many of these things because I own all the Beatles albums. But the Beatles yeah. are doing this great like 50th anniversary deluxe. Yeah, they started on that. They? Box selection. I, white, you you got to think. Came out this year, right? You got to think the Bowie camp is like, we are so jealous of those Beatles. We can do a 50th <laughs> anniversary. Watch this. So maybe they'll try to blow it out for 50th anniversary. You know, I'd be, I'd be up for it. Yeah, I bet you would. That or I maybe a tin machine box set. That'll be, that'll be something. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's you know where, that's, that's coming. That's we're in the time frame. We're probably looking at a tin machine box. Oh, you know that's coming, baby. Tin machine all day long. <laughs> <laughs> a 30 disc, 30 disc tin machine box set. You're going to be on here next year, and you're going to be like, and then I listen to some more tin machine. I can't. And I will be. Too much tin machine. I will be dead trying to listen to you talk about tin machine some more. I'll just die of boredom. Oh, yeah, let's point it up. Let's, let's point, point it up. All right. And, I have s- and go to bed. Yep, that's what we're going to do. I have one thing to tell you. I have an addition addition for this. Addition addition. I have an addition addition. Last time when we did our top ten covers by our respective artists, we yeah. talked about that thing where a robot um, looks too much like a human and it creeps people out. Yes, yes. It came to me, Chaz. I didn't even have to look it up because I forgot that we even Whoa. talked about it. It's called yeah, The Uncanny Valley. 
The Uncanny Valley, yes. The Uncanny Valley. I was like so happy that I actually thought of that. Because those things that are more like more like human get yeah. like more appealing and appealing and appealing, and they get really close, and all of a sudden it drips, drops like dramatically. Yeah, and then everyone hates it. It's super. And everyone hates it. Yeah, it's yes. revulsive. It's like not just weird. It's like you can't look at it. It's so it's weird. terrifying. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I just want to tell a little bit of an anecdote before I give the Bootleg series a uh, score. I have a BVD award for the most delightful moment on this particular bootleg series. It's when Mick Jagger, our old friend Mick Jagger, uh-huh. not Mick Ronson, Mick the Jagger. Mick, Mick number two. Mick is uh, working on a Rolling Stones live album, like next door or something at Columbia Records. He comes over to check out Bob Dylan doing uh-huh. his recording sessions in New York, and he's ready for a party. Not Bob, Mick. Mick's ready for a party. He's got a champagne bottle he's swigging out of. He doesn't even have a cup. He's just rocking that champagne. Because <laughs> he's Mick Jagger. Because he he's Mick Jagger, out. and he's trying to get Bob to like come out and party with him because he's used to this like crazy recording you know, scenario where everyone just gets wasted and, I don't know, invites prostitutes up or something like that. And, yeah, Bob's, yeah. In, and Bob's in here spilling blood all over the tracks. And you can hear more blood. it. And then more, you had to get more tracks because there was too well, much blood. Well, at that time, at that time, it was just blood on the tracks. Okay, all right. There wasn't this was even pre Minneapolis to necessitate another set of tracks. So there is a track on more blood, more tracks, uh, where you can hear Mick Jagger try to tell Bob to play slide guitar on one of his songs. <laughs> He's like, "Won't you try it with the slide?" And Bob's like, uh, "Slide? Who's going to do that?" He's like, "You." He goes, "Not me." And then he purposefully he purpose <laughs> he purposefully mangles it because he's actually a very excellent slide guitar player. Uh-huh. But he mangles it just to like get Mick Jagger to shut up and stop talking to him <laughs> while he's spilling blood on the tracks. And Mick's like, "Oh, you're right. Don't do that." And he's like, "It's not me. I'm not doing it." It's like this really testy, weird exchange between the two biggest rock stars on the planet. It's awesome. I give. Awesome. I give the bootleg series out of a possible plus three a plus three point zero. Shocking! What? <laughs> I love it, Jazz. I just love it. It's up I there. I'm not surprised. It's uh, it's not as good to my mind um, because it's just it's too specific. Um, it just can't be any more specific. But my favorite one is still uh, volume twelve, which is the cutting edge. That's still my favorite one. Okay. Uh, the, the copyright collections, I don't, I didn't quite know how to score it because they've all been released in Europe and Japan, but n- literally no one has it. So I just decided to give it like a plus one or something. It's sure. like fun to listen to, but it's not monumental. I don't think it deserves like a three point scale or e- even a two point scale. So I just gave it a point. And then the tour, which was not, not magnificent, but not bad. My policy is a plus point five because he's 77 and he tours for eight to nine months out of the year. <laughs> It's impressive. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's impressive. So Bob Dylan in 2018 rocks a plus 4.5 for the year. Well done, Bob. Not well too done. shabby. All right. Let's rank up the uh, endless parade of releases oh, man. from Bowie in 2018. Try not to make us listen to them or hear you talk about them each for too long. <laughs> Let's go do a track by track <laughs> for all 85 right now. And then predictions for start. what remix they'll release next year. <laughs> this one was this podcast we talked about. Like, this particular episode was, in some ways, is easy, the easiest one so far. Because like, I've been doing the research in slow motion for the last, you know, yeah. 
12 months. And now you've subjected us all to but a now, slow like, motion. But now I'm just realizing listening. how much, like, there's way more material than actually anyone wants to listen to in a podcast. I'm not to think about this, you know, for future ones. I already cut out some of the stuff I was going to say, and that's cool. Anyway, uh, first You're up cool. is Welcome to the Blackout. That one was released originally as part of Record Store Day, and then a wide release in June. Yep. Uh, it's 1978. It's, honestly, I think it's probably my second favorite Bowie live album. Right. After, uh, Live Nassau, Nassau Coliseum from '76. It's just smoking, Jake. Give it a so point. for the their listeners at home. Once again, we have points based on uh, yeah. depending on what the item is. It gets possible to get more points. We allow negative points of so something really bad. It actually takes points away from them. Um, so live albums and archival stuff that's new material are also on all uh, on a negative three to three point scale. So this. Brand new live album. I'm giving it a 2.5 out of 3. Okay. It's hot. It's smoky. See, okay. Next up is the Loving the Alien Big Fat Box set. It's uh, 15 LPs or 11 CDs. Dang. Um, it was so shiny and so excited and so sumptuous and so silky and nice. But I, the music just doesn't stand up across. Like, there's, there's good stuff in there, but there's a lot of not good stuff in there, too. Okay. And so it like almost pains me to do it, but I'm going to give it a zero. Wow. I can't, I can't take points away, but I can't. I don't think I can give points to this. It, yeah. The noble experiment of the Never Let Me Down new version, I, I, and some will respect it. Uh, Bowie had indicated some kind of level of support for this. He okay. commissioned one of the tracks in 2007 to be redone. And so then the guy who redid it, he was the one who redid the whole rest of the album. So, like, this, was, this wasn't just a completely, like, Bowie had nothing to do with it move. Uh, but it just the remixes are so bad and Never Let Me Down is all over this thing. Uh, there's regular Never Let Me Down, then there's the 2018 version of Never Let Me Down. Oh my goodness. Then there's the live album from the tour for Never Let Me Down in which nine out of the original ten tracks, or well, they're originally eleven. Anyway, nine of those ten tracks show up in that on that live album. And then there was an LP version of it where all of the songs were edited, or most of the songs were edited down to fit an LP length. So all of those show up on the uh, odds and sods, you know, collection at the end so most of the tracks in Never Let Me Down are on there four times I honestly some of them more because there's remixes of them too it's just too much Never Let Me Down can't do it so it's a zero there I'm done I honestly don't know how you like sleep at night as a Bowie fan with all this going on I don't know how you <laughs> yes, like yes you do yes you do <laughs> you sleep like a baby you also know about the 80s chick yeah you're right it is the 80s what can yeah. I say but I mean the all right Okay, yep, go. The Serious Moonlight album, uh, live album, never previously released, came with Loving Alien. It's a solid, good one. There's lots of horns, it's really like kind of peppy. It's one of the interesting things about listening to Bowie live albums. Okay. Because, you know, he changed his musical style so often. And, uh, and so he'd remake, you know, he'd rearrange all of his old songs to fit with this new version of him for his tours. Which makes for, even if it's not good, it's still interesting every single time. This one is actually legitimately pretty good. I'm giving it a 1.5. 1. 1.5. 1. 1.5. Not like a giant, you know, it's not a welcome to the blackout, but it's a good, solid one. Glass number 2000, kind of the same thing. It's a solid, it's greatest hits show. Um, there's a lot of like breathless praise on this, like calling it the greatest headlining show of all time. Yeah. I, I feel like that's really overblown. I mean, it's coming, <laughs> it's coming from like NME, which I'm pretty sure everything they've ever seen is the greatest headlining show of all time. Absolutely, especially if it's both. But, uh, What's that? Especially if it's Bowie. They love Especially it. Especially if it's Bowie. Coming back from 10 years not playing the hits and then playing nothing but the hits. And he's good. I'm not saying, don't get me wrong. But he's also during a period when he didn't have a ton of personality. Like, this was just kind of his norm core. Totally. Like, 
straight up rock section. It's still good. It's still solid. I'm not, you know, taking it away from it. But I'm also giving that a 1.5. Okay. Finally, we have some sweet, sweet singles, Jake. Oh, Chaz. We have the Let's Dance demo. So mad at you. We already talked about that. I'm giving that zero points. Okay. We have the zero slash beat of your drum. 2018 version. Both of these tracks are from Never Let Me Down. They're released in single edits for some reason. Uh-huh, of course. I'm giving that zero points. Okay. We have Breaking Glass, the 40th anniversary uh, of the live Breaking Glass single from 1978. Got Instead of it. releasing that, they released a different live version of it, uh-huh. along with three other different live versions. Uh, I'm giving that zero points. <laughs> and finally, we have the Sensing Let's Dance, Niles Rogers strings version. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm giving that zero points. <laughs> I'm glad we had to go through that, but I'm glad they got zero points. <laughs> so, I'm so happy. None of those singles are needed to happen. Well, the Let's Dance demo is the one that I was like, that's actually interesting, but not interesting enough to get any points to. Okay. Is that it? So there you go. That's a total of five and a half points. <laughs> five and a half. All right. Now... We've gone too long on this podcast, but of course we have. I all of a sudden, re- I, I all of a sudden have a bone to pick with the, with the point system as we've as we've constructed it. <laughs> do you? Do <laughs> I you? do. Well, listen. Okay, so my bootleg series is a deluxe edition. It's got six discs on it, and it's mm-hmm. like celebrated, and it gets three points, mm-hmm. which is the same amount of points as the fourth pressing of a live album from 1978. Welcome to the blackout that it gets the same amount of points as that. Like, how are those two things the same? There must be some way we can tweak that. We don't have to do it now because because it's boring. But Uh I think we got to figure something out with that. Okay. All right. That's all. It's tough to look at all these unreleased sessions. And, like, you know, you you loved this, but you even said, you know, like, nobody but the hardcore fans didn't want this. Like, to listen to 12 versions of the same song. Yeah, that's true, but who's going to listen to the fourth version of Welcome to the Blackout? You love well, it's it. Like it's, it's, well, I don't know. it's the same tour, but a completely different show than has ever been released. None of those songs have actually, none of those recordings have actually been released. I know, but I got I to gotta think, like, and maybe it's just my personal preference, but studio recordings hold a higher a higher regard for me than, than live shows for, what, for whatever reason. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we do need to talk about this. I mean... We set up live shows as being three pointers a long time ago. And we did. And unreleased, I'm not... unreleased materials of box sets being three pointers a long time ago. Whereas, like, the Bowie box set only could have gotten one point in the first place. Yeah, but that's, deserve that. that's true. That's true. Because it's not, because it's all, you know, it's all released except for that version of, of uh, Never Let Me Down, which Bowie had nothing to do with, so. Right. Hmm. Hmm. Maybe. Well, Jake, all I can say <laughs> is the Bowie Money Machine beat the Dylan Money Machine this year for releasing a whole bunch of stuff. Oh, that man, I'm so upset at this. I just can't even. I've, I've seen red. I've seen red. I've seen blood <laughs> on the tracks red in my eyes. Uh, yeah, well, that's the way it's going to be. Bowie. That's the way it's going to be. Bowie wins even in death. Hmm. That's right. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. well, what year are we doing next so I can... We're doing 1974, which it's hard, hard to be Bowie in the 70s. True. Dylan did Dylan did okay in 74, if I remember He did okay right. in 74. He did okay. Not wonderfully, but okay. It'll be a positive year, I'm sure. Positive year. Exactly. Bowie released Diamond Dogs, you know, just a little album called Diamond Dogs. You know what? You know what I heard that the alternate title for that was? Um, I don't want to listen to this whatever 
insensitive, horrible things you're going to say to me after this, because I saw this coming, and Jake, I, you know, just don't, I mean, just because he released the song Rebel Rebel in 1974, and Dylan didn't. I mean, well, I Dylan released that. Forever Young, which is an enduring Dylan classic. Okay, that, that is an enduring Dylan classic. Here's, I'll, I'll give you that. Here's the alternate title for Diamond Dogs. Here it goes. Okay, Jake. <laughs> ready? Ready? Are you, are you listening? No, go, I'm not. It goes like this. <laughs> yeah, that's what you said last time. You didn't even come up with a new joke? Come on. <laughs> I just got water all over the phone. Yeah, awesome. All right, Jake. <laughs> Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, I'm Shirley, and I like Bowie. <laughs> I'm Jake, and I love Dylan. So long. See you later. Bye-bye.